ever read a book and wanted the main character in the video game you're playing? Ever seen a movie and imagined the bad guy in your next tabletop campaign? The Valain, as I sometimes pronounce it. Well, so have we. So have we. The Gamer Alchemy Podcast will explore how characters from endless fictional settings might be built in different worlds. You ever wanted to see Catbus, that's from my neighbor Totoro, as a Pokemon? We can imagine it. And hmm, let's put uh, let's put Master Chief in an RPG, shall we? Not just any RPG, a JRPG. <gasps> we'll give it a try. Great. And then whatever other combination we can think of, we'll talk the lore, game design, and the best fit here on the Gamer Alchemy, Alchemy. Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> that might have been our most disjointed intro. <laughs> Well, I was waiting for you to do the whatever that you let me. It was, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I was waiting first. <laughs> I didn't. Is this meta podcasting where we podcast about our podcasting? Wait, what's the TikTok? I was sitting at the diner, at the diner on the corner. We were casting all our things, and then we lost our lyrics, and we... I don't know. I don't know, but you made um, it really far, and I'm impressed. It's a cover of a cover of a single retake of a double disjointed... I don't know. Anyway. Anyways. What are we doing this week? Oh, we man. We figure it out, but then we sat down and we did, and Elliot, what did we land on? So we uh, figured that we actually haven't taken time to kind of tell whoever our listening audience is about ourselves and so all five of you and we love every one of you i think three of you go to my church but yes. you're wonderful anyway and tell us your names that way you know we can say things <laughs> but we decided to uh out. we decided to uh to just share a little bit about of ourselves and it like uh just like our gaming history um what has kind of landed our interests where they are today um just be able to talk a little bit about ourselves. Um, we've each had semi-busy weeks or, or or extremely busy weeks. And um, we just were like, you know what? Let's do, let's do something that is like kind of providing more framework for the podcast itself. That also doesn't have that much prep time. So, uh, yes, folks, this is a slightly lazy episode. But it's also one that we, uh, we just want to connect with you a little bit. So you can see a little bit more about the men behind the curtains. So convenient or the guys <clears throat> womp, 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 womp. i keep doing things with my face and i'm like oh, wait a second this is a podcast <laughs> that phrase i keep doing things with my face i don't know what they are i don't know what my you don't know what your face is no i just uh, okay <laughs> so anyways <laughs> um uh we're gonna just go ahead and kick off and um we uh we uh took a very solid democratic approach between uh you know two people on how we were going to uh interview first and we're just gonna we're, we led with uh talking about mr mr guy black over there mr raven hood 
that makes me feel democratic and I voted for myself. It's ah, classic my... democracy. <laughs> hey, the president gets a vote too, you know? It's true. I'm, you know that would be a fascinating study. I don't know if that I don't think voting records are public, but it would be hysterical to see which presidents voted not for themselves. If any. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't even know why I'm doing this, guys. So, uh, uh, great. Oh, man, you voted me in? <sighs> or whoever the guy was that voted, um, like, you vote, you, they vote, and then they find out later they lose by such a slim margin, they start asking the questions, wait, if I had voted for myself, would I be in the presidency? Damn, damn it. Now, okay, this is... Um... Uh, okay, this this is going to definitely show a little bit about my background, and it will, Guy, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, first uh, off, Guy, did you ever listen to Adventures in Odyssey? I did not. Okay. Uh, but I did listen. I know I, know I, I have walked those circles. So, for so those of you who Adventures don't know, Adventures in Odyssey is a, a faith-based radio program geared towards children. Um, where it's telling um, like kind of stories that teach life lessons in a fictional city of uh, Odyssey. Um, there's like central characters in the central place called Wit's End that has some like pretty interesting, um, I'll say impossible technologies <laughs> from its owner and inventor, Mr. Avery Whitaker. But there's one episode that I was thinking of where they were telling the story about how why voting matters, which was an interestingly not faith-based story. And so unless you're a Christian national. Oh wait, sorry. Wait, oh, 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 oh. There. sorry. There and, was a line. My bad. And so uh this episode was telling the story of Madison Marsh, which I'll, ultimately I don't remember the exact like offices and whatnot but basically madison marsh was voted in as like either a mayor or city council or something a like, woman no a man madison, Ma oh madison i'm madison, sorry i yes. made an assumption i made an assumption that on, on at odyssey a woman would get voted in office you are going to get My us bad. canceled um <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm i just I would like to hope that I could be honest in some way. Sorry, I'm gonna. I'll I'll cut back my sass until it's my interview. And uh, so, just the small history lesson. It's a true story. But Madison Marsh was voted into office. It while he was in office, he cast a vote in some election that got somebody else into office. And then whoever he voted for, they were part of the group that voted Texas into becoming a state. And each of those elections, Madison Marsh's election into office, the person he voted for into office, and then the, the state of Texas becoming a state, were all won by a single vote. So it was like a series of events that all had a one-vote decision, like or ended up being down to a single vote making the decision. Oh. Um, and so... Uh, the state of Texas became a state due to one vote. Anyways, um, that's just kind of what it uh, what all that reminded me of. So, total bunny trail, yeah, folks. I was about to say I don't even know what got you on Adventures in Odyssey. I don't know. It was. Did you say something about voting? I I did. I that was it. That was all it was. About, that was it. Yeah. Okay, it was well. the Democratic vote. 
Folks, this isn't good if I'm forgetting something we talked about three minutes ago already. (laughs) But, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll move right. We'll just move right along, you know. And uh, so, Guy. Hi, that's me. Oh, Guy. Just a guy. I'm just a guy in a lonely world. Since he can't, since we can't, as we said earlier, see our face. <laughs> since he's doing things with his face, I was just, you know, adding sound effects, doing foley work for uh, for Elliot's face. Oh, don't get me talking about foley work. That's another rabbit trail that I'm happy to go down. Anyway, so. <laughs> oh guy okay so um i guess well i guess before actually i do start the interview well i'm gonna just give like a 30 second version of actually how guy and i know each other we met at a program that we both went to right out of school working for a ministry and we we didn't we didn't really work together we just worked in different areas and happened to rub shoulders a lot um socially and we've just stuck together over the years since we've both left there and um kind of established our lives in different parts of the country mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i i was about to expand on other parts that you've played but i realized that we have to walk i, I will walk gently around the the organization that we were in because if we go too deep it really legit sounds like we were in a cult at least in some of the circles i've walked it wasn't entirely i don't know i like the kool-aid i mean (laughs) i mean it was a mixed bag it was a mixed bag long story short that we we met at an institution that was doing good but controversially (laughs) got complicated yes we'll leave it at that and yeah it got complicated so the good news is that we both met our current wives there and um yes and And uh, i actually asked elliot's approval to marry my that's right i had to give uh i didn't give approval for him to this is where i was like this is gonna sound a little bit like uh a little weird it was kind of like i was a father-ish figure not a father figure but no, no, no. There, yeah, there were I, rules. I think I got it. So it's not weird. I was gonna say. So, so part of the agreement to work here was that you had to have a certain. There was a, a a like established hierarchy of sorts, and to a to approve a relationship, not in a entirely weird way, but in a little bit of a weird way, you had to go through the authorities over other people. And Elliot had just been a close friend of my wife, which was more the motivation because I was trying to figure out if I liked her or I should make a move. And because I was a terrified child and didn't know how to manage my feelings, I didn't want to be let down. (laughs) And I'm over here going like. I don't know. I was very weird because when even though I had the like you were authority. You were intense, sir. There was no let. Let us not beat her on the bush, sir. You were like, "All right, here's a marriage contract." Or, or I came to that. No, that would not have been me. It was uh, someone. It was definitely threw the someone idea else out there. But anyway, yeah. I was. For I con- was secretly. I secretly had the opinion of. Uh, 
of just you know like like even though i like had to be like oh so why do you like this girl or something like that and just like like yeah. help that help people like review their feelings because we were all just trying to sort out liking people and stuff like that i was secretly in the back going sha la 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 my oh my and kiss the girl you weren't allowed to kiss the girl you weren't but you weren't allowed to kiss the girl so it's so before you everyone starts losing their minds about what on earth what 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 are we talking about in in short in the evangelical subculture of the united states there are institutions that out of a devotion of piety have high regulations of purity and so in those instances that's where we were at and so there was just a lot of boundaries to ensure that you never went quote unquote too far um that's a it, great way you, of putting if you it. Weren't, yeah, I was going to say, if you're not in the weird Christian subculture, it's going to sound real weird and not make sense. If you are in it, you guys, you're you're probably... You get going, it. Uh-huh. I get it. So, I... Anyway, my, my adventures through that whole realm is probably going to come out at some point in this interview because my tabletop gaming... And has, my has love influence. for magic has been impacted by my involvement in religion. Ah, a segue. So, look at that segue on two wheels. He goes by. Mm. Mm. All right. So, guy. Um, what? So we have it listed as when did you start gaming? But what is your first memory of gaming of any kind? I can't put it between I'm trying I'm I was trying to think about it when I saw the questions and I was thinking through it. I cannot recall if it was cuz I remember my first console that I owned was a GameCube, but that was not the first console I played. Muy bonito. I had a friend in middle school who had a Nintendo 64 and had Smash Bros. And I was a terrible friend because my parents wouldn't let me have one. Whenever we would go over to his house to play, all I wanted to do was play Smash Bros. Like, that was it. And I think I annoyed him to the point, let's be real honest. So I distinctly remember that. And then I, I, I never had a Game Boy Color. But I distinctly remember the Game Boy Advance and the Game Boy, the flip open Game Boy SD. Mm, so yes, please. all of that is blended together. As far as my first okay. things, but like the first real video game that I remember going, this, I am now a gamer, was StarCraft. Because I had a bunch of friends that would play games, and I had an older friend who I now know played Warhammer 40K and was just the nerd in little tiny 4,000 population podunk backwater benson arizona and my parents were always and my mom was always like well we're gonna go hang out with them and he's not like it was one of those like she walked trepidatiously around it that's hilarious um, actually and i i remember i bit like now that i've kind of been reading about warhammer 40k and wishing i had indep uh, was independently wealthy um I remember him trying to explain this game because there were these characters on the shelf in his room. 
he was 12, I was 6, and I was like, oh my goodness gracious, look at this stuff, it's so cool! Because I would go and I would play this shooting game when all the adults were out at the Christmas party with him, and I would have to like look over my shoulder every time my mom came in because I didn't know if I was allowed to be playing it. Ended up being the original Halo. Or something like that. I don't remember. Okay. And so those are like my like echoes of gaming. But then my like my games when it was me and I owned it, it was those Game Boys, uh, and probably I I like Night Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland. Oh. Is somewhere deep in my mind. Yes. Advance Wars, and Advance Wars Two are deep in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then Pokemon Emerald and Leaf. Are deep and like those are those are core were those memories your, of my game. Were those your first two Pokemon games? That's what I'm saying. I think so, okay. but I can't remember. Like I couldn't tell you. I do remember the first time where I was like, "Oh my goodness, I get to be a gamer," was with StarCraft because I had like Carmen Sandiego and uh, whatever the white tuxedoed fox was. Mm-hmm. My family had Max. Okay, wait, wait, Max. wait. So. For so Carmen San- Racing for 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 Carmen San Diego was this the one where like you were at a location and these animated and, pe- and the the yep. like people walk by and you have to ask them specific questions but they're yep. not always telling Point. the truth. Mm-hmm. Oh, so those man. are probably technically my first games because my family owned Macintoshes. So I played that. I played whatever the bug jumping game was. That was like an innate installed game in the original Max. Okay. It wasn't Bugs Life, but it was like Bug Adventure. Do you that... remember the dinosaur hunting game on Max? Nanosaur? I think so. You played as a little brown raptor and you ran around shooting. I never could get past the first level, but my lord, I got to play a dinosaur and shoot lasers. That yes, was it. I remember that. I only and played I... that in school. Ugh. I. I only, I, I got scared to death running away from the Tyrannosaurs in that. So yeah, um, Mac OS gaming, Cro-Magnon Racing. I'd play split screen with my buddy. He would play on the arrow keys. I would play on Wazda. It was great. The the wonderful days of that. And so those were some of my first games that I can think of as far as video games go. Hmm. Okay. So then let's pivot to the non-digital sector. Um, what's, what about like board, maybe not your first memory of board games, because, you know, most people do have like such a long history of board games and card games and stuff. That's like, I could not pinpoint it, but like, what was the first board game to stand out in your memory to you? I collected for, I don't know where this came from. But my grandmother became convinced that I collected Monopoly games. Kay. So in my parents' house, an hour south of here, there are there is a closet with 36 versions or 26 versions of Monopoly, Bibleopoly, Dogopoly, Arizona Arizona Monopoly. Um, wow. Dino Dinoopoly. Tons of Monopoly. Now my dad. So my my grandfather was a woodworker. And I grew up playing chess and Chinese checkers with my dad. Okay. I hated chess for a long time, but Chinese checkers. And then we got hooked on the dice game called Rats or Farkle or Spit on Your Neighbor. Gotcha. Or pick, your, pick your title. 
Um, we played that for years. So those were the board games that I grew up playing because my dad didn't really, my mom doesn't really play board games and my dad knew that. But if we're talking a board game that shaped me, I played a lot of Monopoly, Life, kind of the, the generic ones, but the game that when it was introduced to me, like I, I, formed, I formed my schedule around it to play was Diplomacy, which remains to this day, I will argue, one of the superior war games out there. So I've heard about Diplomacy recently in a game I'm design book that I'm reading. Mm -hmm. and Ooh, I'm trying can to... you send that to me? Uh, I believe it's called Game Tech. Game Tech? Okay, cool. If I that's had fine. my backpack... I can't remember. Backpack, backpack. My backpack's downstairs, but that's where it is right now. And I'm borrowing it from a friend, too. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, so explain to me the premise of Diplomacy just briefly, because I have never played Risk, it. Risk, but better. Risk, but better. Okay. Mm -hmm. so here's, here's the gist. The thing with Risk that always pissed me the hell off was because you would roll dice, and based on the roll of the dice, you would lose, even if you had superior numbers. And granted, if we're trying to simulate real battle warfare, you know, sure, whatever. No. The strategy to me in Risk seemed to overshadow the actual random entity. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, the, the reverse. The, the dice rolling seemed to overshadow the actual strategy because my dad would play Risk, but I could never win. Now, let's be perfectly honest, that's because I was 12 and my dad didn't pull punches. But I didn't inter interpret it as that, let's be honest. So, Risk is, I have 20 guys. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to build a giant army of 20 guys at this choke point, and then I'm going to sweep through Australia, and you just can't win after that point because I because of the mechanics of the game, just become a snowball and it runs out. And once you get towards a threshold, it's no fun, right? That's risk. Yep. Diplomacy, on the other hand, functions. And I think what, what intrigued me the most is I had grown up with American-style board games. My turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. We achieve end objective, game over. You roll as your dice, you move German your mice. Style, yeah. Um, as opposed to the German-style board games where you have victory points or some of these other creative means by which you interplay as players. And Diplomacy, I think, has my favorite... It's not turns, but phases. So it takes each round, takes the course over a year, and each year has five... five parts. Okay. You have spring and fall, and then build. In the spring, and in each season, you have two rotating, um, you have two phases. The first phase is the diplomacy phase, and this is what makes the game iconic. Kay. You set a timer in the diplomacy phase, which is the beginning of spring and the beginning of fall, and then you have to go to the other six players face-to-face -face and try and get them to act in your favor or towards a mutual interest to win the game. During the second phase of the spring, so you have diplomacy and then you have orders phase, Okay. each player then secretly writes the orders for each of their units. And unlike in Risk, it's one unit per territory. Okay. There's army units and there are naval units, and each of them have three things they can do. Units are 
naval have four, but one of those is like m transport across sea. And those are support, move, hold. Those are the only na those are the only orders you can give a unit. Okay. And in and move is is the equivalent of attack. And so you write your orders for each unit, i.e., if I'm playing as Austria, I could say something like uh, Silesnia to Warsaw. Support Galicia into Warsaw. So I would write the orders for each of my units. And then once everyone has their units ordered, you read them all at once and everything occurs simultaneously like that. And then it resolves. Yep. So there are bounces and it resolves. And then at the you do that again for the fall, so you have two opportunities to make advances until the end of the year, which is after the fall phase, okay. where you then capture supply centers and move forward. And the goal of the game is to capture, I think, fifteen supply centers. Okay. It it is it, you got to play with the right people. Fist fights did break out in my home, <laughs> but this was this was high school boys. Freshmen, uh, we have a guy who's currently a Navy SEAL. One of our other main players ended up going into the Navy for six, six years out of high school. Like, these are my military-minded friends, and we. Okay. I wanted to be a... I was actually set to go to the University of Arizona on a Marine officer's... Or an officer in the Marine Corps before I ended up going to where you and I met due to other circumstances. But, like, that was our jam. And we played almost every other weekend for three years in high school. Now, correct and me if would... I'm wrong. When you choose mm -hmm. to supply, hold, or move, if you basically do the action that... Port, hold, or move. Okay. So if you do the action that basically attacks and the other person also attacks, it's like mutually you both like suffer. And then if... Well, what happens is you bounce. So if okay. I try and move into an occupied territory, I will bounce out. That's where the support move comes in. So if I have two of my armies adjacent to an enemy's army, I can support one army's move into that territory. Okay. So think uh, Eastern France territories there. We have like Brest, Marseille, and Paris. So if, I ha if Germany is trying to move into Paris and they have a territory in... Um, Bulgaria, or mm -hmm. they, have, they have their army in Bulgaria... Paris is adjacent to both Bulgaria and Ruhr. The two, yes, we played. I played this game way too much. Ruhr. <laughs> Ruhr. Um, and let's say I give the order to my, as Germany, I give my order of, in Ruhr, to my army in Ruhr, to move to Paris. I would then give an order to my army in Bulgaria to support army Ruhr into Paris. Okay, so, so this is a different two game. Two armies than what i'm thinking of which is good mm -hmm. um di diplomacy is still mentioned in this book the one i was thinking of had a different mechanic where it was like if you both choose to not do anything there's like a middle ground that you both benefit from if one of you chooses to betray the other person you gain a ton and if, if they didn't choose to betray you but if you both choose to benefit the other person you gain a similar amount so basically it's like Either you play a super safe option or you choose an option that is high risk or high reward. It's right. it's it's only it's only those three. So yeah. Um 
Well, cool. And the interesting, the interesting bit about that is the board, the board. And if you're going to study something about diplomacy, the, the turn makeup's interesting. But what is really interesting about diplomacy is the board because it forces conflict in the first year. You cannot remain neutral. Great. Which I, I think is what's so hard for a lot of people that aren't ready for that game. And you are forced to look at someone. And I will tell you, I will never lie in that game, but you better listen real close to what I say. On the other hand, my wife is as untrustworthy and underhanded as conceivable. And she laughs about it because she ruined my plans. You love her, though. You love her, though. I do. She's not an untrustworthy person. It just so happened in that game that she, like, got ruthless. And I wasn't prepared for it. That's that's so, funny. Yeah, no. Great that's, game. Yeah, good. Um, so, um, I like, I know this about you, but, like, you love the strategy. You love the intricacies of games. What else would you say, like, has just drawn you into, like, keeping it? Like, I think anyone could say, like, oh, yeah, I like board games. But, like, I think that you and I would say it's like, ah, uh, we do, like, we appreciate board games more than probably your average board game person. Like, there are people who have not 36 different versions of Monopoly, but, like, yeah, I've got Monopoly in the closet. I've got Uno. And then there's the real board game people who <laughs> they have Monopoly and they have Uno. But if this was not a podcast, I'm, I'm looking to my right at my three shelves full of mostly non-traditional board games. Right. Like, we live in a golden age of board games. Exactly. You're talking about the people that have jumped deep into that culture. So you're asking what what is it about? What it, what is the thing in board games that that Yeah, has like what's Yeah, like what has kind of kept you in what made you sink to that deeper level with a uh, with a higher price point? <laughs> <laughs> in your board game hobby <laughs> it's interesting because i've thought about that in other contexts because i'm actually in the process of slowly like long term i have this dream to write a book on or write a long series of blog like have this whole thing on the impact of story mm -hmm. and i don't know that it quite landed with me until i watched a lot of will wheaton's tabletop and he just had this affinity to find the story in every game. And there's a piece of it that's there, but on the other hand, too, there was a piece of me that has just loved systems. And I don't okay. know that there's another way to put it. And so what is so fascinating and why I enjoy getting new quirky board games or even designing is I like systems. I've designed games for years before I was deep into gaming on Excel. Because I love the idea that, okay, here's this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. And if I build a system where I can equip these four different things and I can make interchangeable parts for all of this different whatever, I can create this thing. Every game I've ever designed in my own time, in my own, has a massive customization okay. piece. So build your own army. What happens if I want to focus on an army? Because I, I was super into military history some armies 
and and weaponry and military strategy focus heavily on the fact that hi i'm the roman legion the Mm -hmm. reason i'm insane is i am so highly trained and i have a heavy infantry that is unbeatable well, hold on. Then how on earth did you lose the Battle of Teutoburg Wald? Well, it's because we were stretched out in our three columns over five miles, and they were in the fog, and a bunch of shirtless Celts, high off the mushroom juice, run at us like they're possessed by the gods in the dark and slaughter us piecemeal. Or... Well, hi, you're the American cavalry in the 1800s. You can absolutely organize and have the supply chains to conquer the plains. Why can't you bring these Native American tribes under your thumb? Well, it's because they literally are playing guerrilla. Like, pick your thing. It doesn't matter if you have the strongest army. There's always a weak point. And so it's always been fun for me to think about, well, what is a way that I can empower a person playing this game mm-hmm. to make their thing and once they get their thing they can walk up and i think that's why i fell in love with magic the gathering is here's the thing i spent time making this and man it works or it's cool you know yeah so that play of systems is what's fascinating to me and and watching it and it even plays into my my anthropology studies and my ethnographic like studies or and mythology studies when you take this one trope okay let's take the idea of a trickster entity someone who isn't entirely good someone who isn't entirely bad and what does it look like when we put that through four different cultures well we get this loki character when we go over to the native americans in the united states the first peoples and we get this coyote character then we go up into northern scotland and we get creatures like pixies or or um brownies in scotland and so what does it mean for this trope to be sifted through the eyes hearts and minds of several different people and or, or when it comes to a system through several different kinds of games i have a card bank or a market what's a way that i can make this idea of i purchase cards for a resource or with x resource unique in each game system so i it's it's really a systems thing for me you definitely need to find i need to get you the name of that book so that you can read it because um this is spoiling a little bit but guy and i are both uh we both have games that we are designing have designed and um to different extents at different phases and um so much more pretty mine you can focus no mine was so much more pretty just because i i i am decent with microsoft paint (laughs) that's the only reason it's messy rules um but yeah no that's good i like the i like the systems i'm definitely also a story guy when it comes to games like whenever the group is like learning a new game or whatnot they're like elliot you explain the rules because you'll you'll tell the story with it and they'll they will use that wording um so it's (laughs) like it's like i'm known for that too humans um, are driven by it so then okay um let's let's talk just one or two of those board games that we are designing like what is um like what would you say is one that you like i'm honestly more hesitant to talk about my board games because i'm like oh so 
someone's gonna steal my idea. But uh, that's it's 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 like we talk okay. about it generally. Even if they do, then it, yours are still unique enough that exactly. I've been told to actually right. reskin my game anyway, so it's uh, hey, cool, whatever. Um, but yeah, no. What are you working I mean, it's on? Not um, right now, the one that I have dumped the most time into recently is currently. I'm. I, it is. It's currently called flagship or capital ship and it was inspired in high school by one of my diplomacy buddies and i when we talked about this idea that how keep that g-rated sorry how freaking cool would it be to stand on the bridge of a star destroyer or a mon calamari mon Cal, mon calamari i always say mon calamari uh i don't know i if say it's calamari too Okay, Mon Calamari <laughs> Star Cruiser or on the bridge of the Enterprise or for the the history buffs out there on some of those Iowa class dreadnoughts and from the inner war years and the early years of World War Two and just as the bridge captain there's a moment that's captured in the in the movie Battleship where there's this moment where you it's like hold hold fire <laughs> like and fire a broadside yep my buddy and i are like how wouldn't it be so cool to create that moment in a game and so flagship has emerged out of that and my recent and it's been it's gone through about 12 different iterations and attempts since 2011 or 9 or whenever it was first conceived this most recent one has been influenced by my dive into 40k but it's essentially a tabletop starfleet command style game okay um that that's the simple short of it you can build your own ship it's going to be a point-based system i have all the pieces built it uses dice in a similar manner to conquest and Warhammer 40k. I think one of the unique pieces of it is it's maintaining I'm taking from diplomacy to where the way you actually make your commands and they resolve are based on a set of cards. So you will give those commands face down. Okay. And there are certain cards that will allow you to interact with your opponent's cards like jamming. So you have to predict what cards your opponents will play. And you can counter those based on the build of your ship. Okay. Uh, it's going to be a hex. It's going to be a hex-based game, but ascent and it's hex-based with the advent of 3D printers. Back in the day, it was like the idea that I could print my own ships was so far out of my mind. But now with 3D printers and like 12 people that I know, it's like, hey, let me dump some cash on you, and yep, why not? print me this cool ship that I've designed and they can build it. So, and then the other unique feature is I want it to be a legacy game. Hmm. So in the same way that I can build a magic, the gathering deck, like in my magic, the gathering crew back in Virginia, I had, I had slash have a rep reputation for the various iterations of my wolf token deck. One of the most iconic moments was having 249 six, six wolves indestructible double strike haste that I obliterated all my opponents in like one turn. So it was real neat. 
as somebody who doesn't play Magic the Gathering, but yeah, no, that still sounds impressive. And so uh, the big thing is I want I want to incorporate legacy somehow so that the ship that you created feels really neat and you can mark like I have won 12 battles with the USS Raven's Claw or whatever you named your starship. Yeah. And then keeping with that, you have a commander card with unique abilities. So you have a commander that can then trigger specific effects within your fleet. Okay. So anyway, that's the current, that's the biggest one I'm working on. Um, I think the only other one that is of any interest was in collaboration with someone you guys hopefully will eventually meet on the podcast called Take the Cake, which is essentially what if we turn the British Bake Off into a Sushi Go style set collecting game. That just sounds so fun thematically. (laughs) Right. And it works. Like I can imagine... Like, that's a perfect description for me to think about it, too. Just like, okay, I know Sushi Party Go. I know how that works. Great British Bake Off. Like, maybe the sets are different parts of a meal that I have to collect that score differently. And that's the theme yep. of each round. Kind of like how there's yep. the different... They're, You're tracking with yeah, it. I get it. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And the, and the fun thing to make it repeatable as a game is that different judges will be dealt. So even though the goal is to build this specific show cake... You can tweak the show cake with things that will pull points from certain judges. Yeah. Yeah. So you can try and you can try and well, this isn't exactly what the cake is that I'm supposed to make, but I bet if I try and play that judge a little bit more, I'll get a few extra points even though it's not what was required and I will beat my competition. Yeah. Um, so those are those are I the like two that. biggest ones. I like that. Um, and I know that you are a um, consistent DM for D&D and other tabletop RPGs. So I won't mm-hmm. ask you about your current campaign that you're in, but do you have any campaigns that like you have in mind for the future? Like just th- like sets or plot hooks that are based around them or just like yeah i'm working on a totally new world or things within something well i've been ha- so this i'm a teacher so i have summers off so i'm planning on having a whole i think at least two kind of summer campaigns that are slowly brewing in my head my current crew with my um there's a group of guys that i meet with regularly just to do life with and we are going through a book together but on the flip side of that we alternate weeks we're playing traveler which okay. is a wonderful game it's not D, but it's another tabletop rpg set in space so i'm excited for that i have uh two groups that i want to do adventures for one's probably going to be D, the other one's going to be traveler okay so and they're continuations of what just fell off when i had my second child so it's just going to be like all right I have the summer. We can play a whatever number episode campaign. Right. Like consistently because yeah. it's summer. I know we can meet on Tuesday nights. Let's meet on Tuesday nights over at the gaming tavern. Yes, there's a gaming tavern in Tucson. It's called the Short Rest Tavern. I'm very um, jealous. I mean, dude, housing market's nutty, but 
Oh, there's game. There's there are gaming eateries and coffee shops and stuff I mean, everywhere. Yeah, I just just not much in Harrisonburg. Um. Anyway, so uh, two of those. One of them, they really are interested in doing Strixhaven. So I kind of want to do a Strixhaven Strahd. Yeah type thing so that's one and then the other one is they're hunting down the murderer of taco cat 97 taco cat's a game now by the way it's a game I'm, about I'm palindromes aware. taco cat is also a palindrome and he's a race car driver perfect beautiful anyway so those are the two those are the two big ones and the I'm, plot twist is that the the entire plot of the campaign is they go all the way to some point and then they have to do everything again but backwards <laughs> do you know how much i want to try and make that happen just make that some kind be, of timey wimey wibbly wobbly gook I don't have my sci-fi world doesn't quite allow for backward time travel. Oh, that's okay. You just have it be suddenly supernaturally influenced. Black holes. There you go. Uh, no uh, one has to explain it. It's a black hole. I have read too much physics. Um, uh, okay. Anyway. Yep. So what would you say are your uh, just top three you set the bar whether it's just your favorite or whether it's the time spent in these um but top three board games and video games rapid fire or as rapid as you can rapid fire when i think of that off the top of my head the first game that i absolutely love for its beauty simplicity and replayability is a game called monarch board game excellent four players look it up cheap easy to learn great introductory game to people who aren't super hardcore gamers so that diplomacy these are in no are, are in no certain order by the way diplomacy mm -hmm. for reasons um and then my third one is going to be a toss-up between well i can't do a toss-up what am i what's my gut reaction skip bow no <laughs> chess okay that's my solid. wife and i played chess and that's how we met and i built her chess board and the strategy in there makes me feel big brain, even though I'm not super good and I haven't played in a long time. So those are that monarch chess and diplomacy. Nice. Okay. What about your top three video games? Yeah. I'm just going to go with the ones that I've dumped the most time into in my life. And those would be league of legends. Mm -hmm. Just has been generally fun. I've enjoyed it. I've built friendships through it. Subnautica. I'm going to lump Below Zero and the original into kind of one category. They're beautiful games, and the the biologist and storyteller in me really enjoys the way that they've made a believable world as far as the biology goes. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. And then Mass Effect. Okay. Nope, I've because if I've... I'm thinking about a world that I would love to emulate in the sense of being able to create the depth and breadth 
mm-hmm. of it and then bring in and I know everyone hates the ending that they did for three or whatever, but you know what? Get over it. I have a friend who it's literally about the journey. I have a friend who literally yesterday and today has been trying to convince me to play Mass Effect over other things right now, and I'm just like, I've got a list of games that I know I want to play, and I've never been tied to the idea of Mass Effect. But he's just like, it's one of the best games ever, if not his favorite. Yeah, I enjoy it. Close seconds, and I just have to give them the honorable mentions, was StarCraft Two because I grew up on that. Like, that was the thing that I just loved. And then the game I've played the most time in is Civilization Five, But mm. that's just because it's such a pleasant... Rise of Nations comes up in there. That was my first yeah. kind of real-time strategy. And then Civ Five because it's just such a it's a board video game that is wonderful to play with friends, which I've done for hours. Yeah, and we'll always play that game. So good. All right. Yeah. Well, then, and and final question: Where did your gamer tag come from? Well, Elliot. In two thousand and thirteen, when I was trapped in the basement of a Washington D.C. home. Under the watch of several men. I was going to say, blink twice if you're okay. Uh, no. Uh, Robin Hood has just been a character in my life. I have always enjoyed the Flynn Riders, the the swashbuckling Inigo Montoyas, the Will Turners, the 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 noble do-gooders with, that don't quite follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Um. And so Robin Hood was a big deal. And then when I married my wife, the way I asked her to date me, which within 30 seconds of my doing so at the Amsterdam, Amsterdam, uh, Arlington Cemetery, and then in the home in Washington, D.C., where I was staying, I was subsequently tackled by 16 other guys who beat me to death with pillows and congratulations because that's common vernacular for I don't understand. Uh, Why I does asked this her not if, surprise me to hear this? Joshua Tibbetts. That's all I have to say. Okay. Um, Called out. <laughs> um, in that, I asked Jessica, "Would you be my if I would? Would you let me be your Robin Hood or something like that? Aww. Something real cheesy." And so Robin Hood was a thing, and then ever I don't actually remember what did it for me, but Ravens always loved them. Okay, always, and Anything I don't to know do why. With Edgar Allan Poe. I well, and it didn't. No, it didn't start there. I think um, clearly you all have heard and guessed from the beginning of the episode that both Elliot and I have religious backgrounds and we're both still involved in our faiths, though, albeit for me, in a very different capacity than I was raised. I was raised super conservative. D&D is of the devil. Don't touch that. Ain't that how you worship Satan? (laughs) Yep, that's how you summon them there demons. Magic the Gatherings, how you get them black witch spells all over you. Anyway, super conservative, real tight, straight lines. I, for a long time, was, I would argue with you that the Earth was literally 6,000 years old. That was where I was as a person. I'm not there anymore. Um, And no hard feelings to 
people who are that way as long as you are willing to be reasonable and civil in your conversation and use real evidence. <coughs> Moving on. Um, I don't have any baggage there at all. None. That I'm still processing. None. None at um, all. But in that, the Bible has been a deep part of my formation and continues to be, again, in a very different capacity than it was in the past. And there's a passage in there that speaks of ravens taking care of a prophet named Elijah, um, who is a very important character in the Old Testament story, or in the, sorry, the Hebrew Bible's story of Israel. And that raven helped the people that were doing good, but yet was an unclean bird in and of itself. So Yahweh chooses to use those who are imperfect to further the world and to further the good in the world. And that image just stuck with me. And so hence, when I had to came up with a gamer tag and give my branding across the board, I was like, Robin Hood? Well, I can't do Robin Hood. Let me do Raven Hood. And then last year, I find out it's an adult novel series. So, you know. Was I the one who pointed that out to you, or was it somebody else? No, I was at a workers. That was I was it. at my that first meeting at a elementary school where I started teaching at the house party that was the close of the, the year. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a this, that, and the other, and my name came up, and it's like, well, if you ever want to listen to my podcast or watch any of the stuff I've done, go check out Ravenhood. And the wife of the person I was talking to just, like, eyes turns to the left, and she goes... <laughs> Tell me, what are you into? And I was like, not apparently the same thing you are. I don't understand. What do you mean by that? She's, oh, you didn't know Ravenhood is um, <laughs> the main character in this lurid and sultry adult novel series. And I was like, no, I just play video games. Video games. <laughs> <laughs> I am very far from a lurid adult fantasy person. Anyway. Well, I mean. Ooh la la. Anyway. So that's where it came from. But now. Guy Black from the future past of the middle transcendent multiverse branch where I stepped in to tell you Elliot's story is happening in our next episode. So, catch us when that one releases in two weeks. Um, appreciate you listening along. A little bit about my story here. Got a little real there. Shared a little bit about, you know, we all got baggage from stuff. And you heard a little bit of mine there. Anyway, hope you enjoyed it. This weird project we've got going. And next week, you'll get to meet Elliot and learn where Moose Captain comes from. And you'll learn that I didn't know that. Hope you're enjoying our little uh, shindig here. And I'll catch you on the flip side with Elliot.